Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Newsletter Operator Podcast. I'm Matt McGarry. I'm Ryan Carr. That was a very corny intro. <laughs> it was. Kind of figure it's out. okay. No, we'll we'll roll we'll roll with it. Like uh, yeah, we're talking about potentially mixing up the intro moving forward. I don't think it'll be that, but it may be different in the future. <laughs> yeah, we haven't done a podcast in like almost a month, and so I'm a little bit. I, I got to freshen up a little bit. Um, but I'm looking forward to getting back in the groove of these. We're going to be doing biweekly um, pods of me and Ryan, and we'll, we'll post them on a biweekly basis too. Um, and t- we'll do a more pro- podcast of just us just talking about cool topics. So some of those topics that we'll talk about today are newsletter ideas. If you want to start a newsletter and you don't really know what topic or niche or which idea is for you, we got some ideas for you that may be useful. I think we have at least five we'll cover. What else should we talk about? Yeah, I mean, kind of related to that, we've seen a lot about local newsletters on Twitter uh, lately. I think it's it's not necessarily a new idea, but I think it's starting to catch on more and more as people think about uh, building a newsletter as like a sustainable business unto itself. A local newsletter is a great option to do that. So maybe, I mean, that, that kind of ties into the newsletter ideas, but maybe we can talk about that a little bit more in depth as yeah. well. Local newsletters are hot. They've been around forever, but I think more people are talking about it. And I think it's a great model um, that literally it's... Very simple too, and we'll get into that in a minute. We'll also we also might talk about cohort based courses because I think that is a great monetization strategy for any newsletter operator that's focused on educating people. And I'm doing one right now, and I'm learning a lot as I go, and so I got some lessons to share. And then um, we might even talk about our recent interview with with, with um, Adam Ryan, maybe some learnings from that. But yeah, why don't we get into yeah. some of the ideas, and we'll just go from there. So. Some of these are more half-to-bake than others, um, but I think all these can work well to some degree. The first one I got for you, Ryan, a newsletter for Fortune 500 CEOs. This is always something I used to say when I was teaching people about sponsorships is like, if you had a newsletter that had every Fortune 500 CEO subscribed to it, you would have a very valuable sponsorship business because many people want to get in front of them with their products, enterprise software, um, you name it, right? And this really comes back to like the value of a B2B audience. If you get in front of decision makers who have a lot of money to spend and buying power, um, that is a great audience to build a newsletter around. So why not just build a newsletter that focuses on um, news around the Fortune 500 companies, the largest 500 companies in the world, and then target that news for executives at that companies. Um, yeah. So you could talk about a lot of like nitty gritty things that aren't really talked about. Obviously, there's lots of news about the biggest companies, um, Amazon, NVIDIA, you name it. But like, is there really news about who's who are they hiring at those companies and who are they firing? Because if you're an executive at a Fortune 500 company, you probably want to know, you might want to like move up or, or, or change positions. You want to know what other companies in your space are hiring. And you might need to divide this by a niche, like maybe 500 is too much. Maybe you focus on the top 100 in tech or the top 100 in oil and gas, you know, like 500 may be too broad, but I think higher and fire would be good. What do you think? I like that. Um, and yeah, I think there are some folks uh, that are working on, on something similar to this. Like I know um, Marketing Max, for example, who does Growth Daily and who we've had on the pod, I believe he launched a newsletter called CEO Report, which is is pretty aligned with with this. But I agree. I, I really like the idea of like, um, of like hiring and firing, like movement, uh, like basically who's who's going where um yeah that's a cool idea yeah and it's it's, 
I guess the a question for you maybe, Matt, is like, how would you say you start something like this? How would you go about acquisition? Because, um, and, and this is something I think we'll talk about later, our conversation with Adam Ryan, which was super insightful. But uh, he mentioned, you know, it's really about the quality of the folks on your list, especially with something like a CEO-focused newsletter. You want it, you would uh, ideally want it to be as high of a proportion of CEOs or executives as possible. How would you think about acquisition for a newsletter like that? I would think about acquisition through hyper relevant content. So I would want yep. to like see who in my network, like the Kevin Bacon, eight years of connection, like who who is the executive at a Fortune 500 company I, I can talk to. Who's an executive at a Fortune 500 company I can talk to? Excuse me, and have a conversation and talk about like what their news diet is and what they're consuming and what they actually want to read about. And then just start creating content for that person and then yeah. ask them to introduce me to more people and talk about what they want and create content for them. And like, I think because this is such a small niche, you can very quickly create hyper-relevant content for these people that's really not, doesn't exist anywhere else. And I would share that content probably on LinkedIn. That's going to be the primary social platform. I would do Twitter too. I would just take the same stuff I'm posting on LinkedIn and post to the Twitter as well. So LinkedIn would be my number one platform. And I would post about things. I would post about um, you know, what press releases the companies are doing, like what product launches, what executives are, are getting hired or fired, what their internal strategy is, data about the company. So every time they release a earnings report, I'm going to break down the earnings report for that company for that quarter. I would probably focus on one industry first. Like I would just like, it's hard to do like tech and oil and gas or, and yeah. like trucking or something. I would just focus on one, right. And think about the five, like put in the spreadsheet, the 100 companies in the industry I want to cover, it might be 50. And then just track those um, really closely and create content around that. Post it on LinkedIn and um, post it in my newsletter too. And so it's like content, just like anything, it's content. First growth. After they subscribe, I, w- I would use BI. After they subscribe, I would, I would like a short um, multiple choice question survey where I ask them you know, what their job title is, what company they work at, um, what inst- like things like that. So I know if they are my ideal reader, um, my ideal customer profile or not, ICP. Um, and then I would track, like, like Adam Ryan talked about, what percent of people on my list are on my, my ICP, what percent of people are not. So if I want public company executives, you know, am I at 20% on my list there, or 30% there? And also you want to track this because when you have conversations with sponsors and advertisers, you need this information to be able to sell ads at the rate that you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, another interesting takeaway from that interview that we just had uh, was how high the CPMs can go for an audience that is uh, well-defined and supported by data to be to being mostly decision makers. Um, I mean, there were like some very high numbers that we heard, I think like $300 CPMs at one point on the high end, which, you know, I think for, for more B2C newsletters, which, you know, we'll talk about some of those opportunities as well. But um, you're really looking at like, <laughs> depending on how competitive the field is, uh, like $25 CPMs, 50, you know, $50 CPMs, if you can, if you can manage that through direct sales. So yeah, like definitely a lot of advantages to starting a newsletter that's focused on executives like this. Yeah. And I think that idea of like, we're going to cover one industry, all the news is going to be tailored toward executives at these 50 companies. Like we're just writing for 50 companies. Um, and then we just duplicate that, that we, we go horizontal, right? You don't need a lot of subscribers. If we can get, you know, we have executives of 50 companies. I don't know how many people, how many executives they have to each. So I don't know the number, but like if we can get 
2,000 subscribers for each of these newsletters, and we have like five of these newsletters, we have a really big business at that point. This is an idea, of course. It's not all that simple, but um, I think stuff like this can work and does work. Um, it's just a different way to think about B2B media. Yeah. I think the hardest the hardest part of it uh, is probably going to be acquisition and growth might be a little slow. I mean, you you laid out some uh, a great framework for growing. I think an additional framework would be uh, paid framework might be like advertising in other newsletters, right? Like identifying other newsletters uh, or other publications that those kinds of executives are reading um, and advertising in there. Of course, that's like that requires budget or an audience that you have and, and are able to swap um, placements uh, with. But and you can do uh, cross promotions if you can't have a budget yet. You can do a cross promotion where yeah. you send them an equal amount of clicks, and even if you're smaller, you might say, "Well, you're going to cross promote me one thing. You're going to send me a thousand clicks." And I'll cross promote you until I reach and match mm-hmm. that number of clicks. So I might do five promotions for you, and you do one or two for me. So it's always fair. Um, and there's lots of other niche B two B newsletters you could do this with, as, as you mentioned. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, should we move on to the second idea? Well, what it doesn't need to be in order. Like, what what do you ones do you want to talk about? Because we may not have time. Yeah, we've got a list here that we're working through. I do really like the second idea. Actually, um, I've seen I've seen an example of it. But I think there's a lot of room to do this uh, really well. And uh, yeah, do you want to walk through it? I know you wrote this one down. Yeah, I'll break it down really quickly. So I have a tweet about this. I should probably pull up too. So it is a, a newsletter for media buyers and people who buy ads on things like um, Facebook and Google. Let me pull up my tweet about it. But basically, um, if you are a media buyer, you need to constantly stay up to date about what has changed on those platforms. And even more importantly... You need a lot of help with your ad creative. Ad creative is the hardest part of this. And so what the idea was for the newsletter is you're going to share relevant ad examples in different um, categories and niches every single week. A lot of people, there's a lot of newsletters out there that just share like swipe files or ad examples. And one I really like is called the Ad, ad Professor. There's another one called Bidico. Ad Professor is kind of like general, like they'll show like billboard ad examples. Bidico is more like um, D2C focused. And so if I'm a D2C advertiser, Bidico is a great newsletter for me. But what if I'm advertising for media companies or newsletters or for SaaS? Those ads in Bidico won't be as relevant to me. And so what I think you could do is you can have multiple newsletters or just one newsletter that has different sections and you break down and share different ad examples and swipes by niche. And so it's relevant to everyone, not just one niche. I think that's a really important part of this. Yeah. And I think it's so useful, especially, I mean, as a marketer, both of us being marketers um, and knowing a lot of marketers, nothing can really unlock the uh, the success of a campaign like just seeing a great ad example and um, and applying it to your own your own product or your own brand. And so, yeah, nothing is. Uh, I can't think of many things that are are higher value in that format than just being delivered like ad examples that crush uh, on Facebook on TikTok. Um, just you know, giving you great ideas. So I do really like that. I've seen a couple examples. I know you mentioned uh, the ad professor. There's one more that I can't remember. Maybe I'll remember it later in the podcast, but um, yeah, but uh, there are folks that are doing this, but there's, I mean, you know, how many ads are there out there uh, that you could feature? Be as simple as going to meta ad library, searching for for good examples. Um, It would also be helpful to to know which ones are performing well. Um, And there are some ways that you can do that meta ad library just by looking for which ones have been live the longest, especially on higher spending accounts. It's a good 
indicator of, okay, they've been running this for a long time. It must be a consistent high performer. Yeah, but yeah, it's I think- It's a lot of research, but it's, yeah, it's it, not complicated either. And you're literally saving people time and money. You're going to save them time creating ads and you'll make the money by giving them an ad that performs better potentially too. So it's it's very valuable. Yeah. It doesn't require like long form writing as much either. <laughs> it could literally just be like four images with like a couple sentences of context. Yeah. Um, and you're probably going to have like a spreadsheet with like, different categories and then like 10 to 20 or 30 different Facebook ad libraries for each of those things, each of those categories, like one for D to 20 for D to C 20 for newsletters. And you'll find examples that way. Um, TikTok has a ad creative library too. There's other ones out there. So it doesn't have to be just Facebook ads. You'll also find things organically. I think you'll probably want to have like a VA to help you with this early on. Um, since it's going to be a lot of research intensive stuff, but I found that tree, by the way, just to run through this because it goes in depth a little bit. A thing I think is important with this is like not just delivering the examples in the swipe file, but delivering templates, Um, especially if this is going to be a paid newsletter. I don't think people will pay for a swipe file alone. And if they do, it's like five bucks, 10 bucks. But if you deliver a template, meaning you have a designer or yourself create a template in Canva that looks like a great ad that you've swiped, and then someone can just copy that and put in their copy for their business and use that template as an ad. And so it, it goes a step further. It saves them even more time. Um, they don't even have to do the design. They just copy and paste what you already created. So I think you can charge for this when you have a lot of relevant examples and templates. I don't think you can charge for it without the templates. Um, and also you can do video templates too. You can do this with like Capwing or other tools where they can just like duplicate the Capwing file, put in their copy, use it in their business. So it's not... What's important here is like, I don't want to give you another free newsletter idea. I want to give you an idea for a product you can actually charge for. And I think for this type of content, you can charge $50 to $150 per month. There's a lot of people that would pay for it. That's a great call out, especially around the templates. You know, the templates themselves could be a front end offer on, on like on a newsletter like that. Um, but yeah, I, I really like the idea of it just being a paid newsletter uh, to start because to your point, it saves you time, it saves you money. The value is there. And if you can... Uh, throw it in the copy that you can expense it to your business too, right? <laughs> like that would help a lot too. And then you can maybe charge more. Yeah. And there's already products like this out there. Like emaildrips.com is like email examples and you pay for a library of them. And um, another thing to note is like, you, like the information is not really copyrighted. If you're just doing swipe files, that's why you need to have templates too. Is like someone can just use your swipe files. Like you don't own the video that you swipe from another brand. You know what I mean? So if you're charging for that, you need to add more to this business over time. Like you should have a community for, for media buyers. You should have um, maybe some trainings and stuff. So like start with the templates and swipe files, add more over time. And um, I, the way I would do this is like, I would just create like one newsletter every week that has X amount of templates and examples once per week. I would make like 20% of that free and then the rest of it paid where you have to pay 99 bucks a month to get access to it. And um I would I would do it that way. So it's like really simple. It's just one newsletter. You don't have to do multiple newsletters. It's not super complicated. You just give 20% for free, 80% paid. And you can still have an advertising business this way too because you have a free newsletter as well, not just a paid newsletter. If you look at the offer sheet, it's not a huge business, but they do this kind of in the real estate space. And that is um, his model. I love it. I love that idea. And yeah, we don't really talk too much about paid newsletter concepts. I think that is a very low lift um, and uh, very high chance of success route to go for 
especially marketers that are out there listening to this. And I know a lot of uh, newsletter operators have at least a little bit of experience in marketing. Um, yeah, try it out, start it up, tell us how it goes. Yeah, there's a guy who wants to start this that was talking to me on um, on Twitter. I'll see what he what he does and we'll follow up on it. Yeah. Um, another another idea that's a little bit more half-baked, this week in memes. Like, finally curated memes <laughs> from the basically the week in news presented as memes um, or, or memes that kind of summarize the biggest happenings uh, throughout, you know, the economy, finance. Uh, there's a ton of finance, uh, finance meme accounts out there on Instagram, on Twitter, and Twitter. Same with you know, um, pretty much any other any other niche, and also just more like general topics like the economy. Um, but presenting kind of the news as a sequence of memes, I think, is a really cool idea. Uh, and I don't, I don't really know of many. I think we've talked about this on the pod before. I don't really know of many meme newsletters. They're just purely memes. And I think it's a great opportunity to drive a ton of engagement. I love this. And I've thought about this a little bit too. And I know someone who does this very well, but they don't have a newsletter like this. Um, there's a lot of newsletters that like have a meme in it. Like at the end, they'll say um, meme of the day. And it's like just a random meme. It's kind of related to the content, but it's not what you what you described. It's not like, here's a story that happened. Let's say like GameStop happened. Um, the short, the games shop, GameStop short squeeze happened. Let's say it happened now. And you have a meme about that, and then you have like some description below of like what happened. Is that kind of what it would look like? Yeah, that's how I'm thinking. So basically, like taking the biggest events, even in chronological order from the last week, um, and explaining the news in kind of the best meme that you can source on that event. I mean, really, like so that's that's one approach for it. But I just think a meme newsletter is something that's again fairly low lift, fun to create and totally underutilized. Not, not enough people are doing it. Um, you know, sure, it's, especially if you if you were to take it and put it in a direction, um, kind of more like prosumer direction, where, uh, to use uh, Adam Ryan's terminology, but um, a prosumer direction where it's like, a prof- it's, it's for professionals, right? Um, you see these, like, there's TikTok influencers, Twitter influencers, they get paid great brand deals, and all they do is like meme content. Well, why can't you be the... Uh, the you know professional the, the the working professionals meme newsletter and get those same deals. I think there's a lot of opportunity for that. That's exactly what I, w- I would do. It like kind of business tech investing prosumer instead of just like general news. Like here's you know stuff that happened in the election or there was a tidal wave. Whatever. Like I wouldn't do that type of content. You could you could do super broad stuff. And there's a newsletter called um what is it called? I'm forgetting the name of it. But um, Roca News is it Roca? Yeah. Yeah. They kind of yeah. do stuff like that. I wouldn't do that direction. I would do more like the business prosumer side. And you would just have like, okay, here's the, the big stories that happened today. Here's three memes that describe those. And here's some commentary on those. If you look at a good example of this, that's not a meme is Charter. Have you read their newsletter? Yes. That's a good, that's a great yeah. example of like a very visual news, newsletter. Yeah. Charter has usually like three different charts, infographics or visuals in the newsletter that talk about you know, um, Amazon's earnings, for example, and they'll have that infographic that breaks it down visually. And then below that, they'll have like a paragraph or two describing more context around that. And so you could do the same thing, but for memes, you have the meme that describes what happened with a visual. And then you have some copy below that's usually less than 200 words that, that describes the story in like a cheeky, fun, irreverent way. And um, if you look at some of the old news, there's the hustle, like stuff that Tron fan wrote back in 2021, in 2020, 
I think that would give you some ideas on the writing style. And I think Shrung Fan, who used to be a writer of The Hustle and now has his own newsletter, he is someone who I, I've seen do this really well. Well, he doesn't do this as a newsletter, but like he'll post a, a meme that he made or he sourced that describes a business event happening. And so I've kind of, I always thought that would be good as a newsletter. I'm glad you had that idea too, but I just haven't seen anyone do it. Yeah, I just feel like it's been executed on, especially in like a hyper visual way. Like to your point, like I would say it's very, very common for newsletters now to have like a meme of the week or meme of the day section. But um, a lot of the times that's like one of the more popular sections that gets like a lot of feedback and, and likes and that's something that people will scroll to. So why not just have a newsletter that is comprised almost entirely of memes? Um, and also like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like you, you brought up Charter. That's a great example. Charter just got acquired, right? Um, am, am I wrong in saying that? They got acquired by, by Robinhood. And yeah. There's no specifics about the deal, but it's it's probably a seven or eight figure um, transaction. And yeah. I don't really know anything about it. There are, Charter is a client of ours, but I have no insight into like their revenue and stuff like that. Um, right. But it, it was a great outcome for them and trying to get them on the podcast. But the, the guys there are very humble and very shy. They're not quite ready for that yet. Yeah. Well, I know we'd both love to talk to them and I'm sure everyone would love to hear uh hear their story but I, I just think there's so much alpha in like a very visual newsletter we've talked about a few examples of these in the past like smart nonsense and um and i know we've brought up charter and there, there are some other examples but a meme a meme centric newsletter uh huge opportunity for somebody who does it well yeah i think that's that's a good way to wrap on that one so check out trunk fan and smart nonsense on the hustle if you want to explore that more i think those would be good next steps for people and you don't need a lot of memes I think you could have like three or four memes per newsletter. And also you don't need to create them. They don't need to be original memes. Like you source these curated memes and then you add the commentary below that. Like you're not baking four unique memes every day for this or every week. Um, it's more about curation. 100%. Cool. What um, else do we have here? I got two ones that are really quick. So one is there's this newsletter. It's it's a pay, another paid newsletter example. And this is from, from Dickie Bush and Nicholas Cole, who are the people behind the Ship 30 for a 30 um, course, which is a very successful course. It's called Write with AI. They did it on Substack. And um, it's not huge yet, but I believe they're at $200,000 in ARR through paid newsletter subscriptions. And the concept is super simple. Basically, every week, it gives you a, a chat GPT prompt to help you write with AI. Um, and so if you're someone who's a content creator, a writer, a blogger, you know, freelancer or whatever, journalist. It just gives you new prompts and examples every single week. I'm probably oversimplifying it a little bit, but um, a lot of people are paying for this. And I think it makes sense if it can help you write more, faster, better. Um, it makes a ton of sense. And it's a paid newsletter that's actually working. And pays, paid newsletters are hard to, hard to grow, but people seem to be interested in this. So I think you could take this right with AI concept and apply it to different things like create ads of AI, or you could just make it more niche, like write with AI for, um, I don't know, lawyers, um, AI for marketers, marketers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you create designs of AI. And so instead of writing, we're doing like more mid journey prompts. So lots of opportunities. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are examples of the design side of it, but I haven't, I haven't come across them personally. I think that's a huge opportunity is like, like a weekly, like, uh, summary of like mid journey tips or, or dolly tips um, for folks that like messing around with that or are using it for work functions. Um, 
yeah, I mean, just to give folks an example of the price point, it's uh, I, I'm looking at it right now. This right with AI from um, from their team is two hundred dollars a year annual or twenty dollars a month. So um, yeah, like good price point and a lot of subscribers. Um, so yeah, I, I think a big a big kind of unifying theme for a lot of the ideas that we're talking about, maybe uh, except for the meme one, which is a little bit more like fun and engaging, is providing as much value to folks you know, like a real tangible monetary or time value. These are all, uh, all those, all these ideas are kind of unified by that concept. Yeah. And then another way I like to describe the same, which you just said is, is um, helping people get the answers to the test. Like you're not teaching them things. You're, you're just giving them answers. So like this newsletter is giving me chat GPT prompts that I can just copy and paste and fill in the blanks. They're not saying here's how to write a prompt, you know, step one, Think about like if they're not doing that. They're not wasting my time. Um, they're just giving me the answers and saving me time. So, when you are creating content that people um, that you're going to charge for, you need to to do that um, and just give them the answers and not not teach people. Like people don't want to learn, they don't want to work, they just want the outcome. And so, if you can have content that does that, people will pay for it. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I love this idea. I love um, yeah the, the AI stuff. Like especially, I really like the idea of niching it down so it's ai to your point for lawyers for marketers um because again all you're doing is is helping yourself define your uh customer profile and then that's going to help you if if you were to i don't know eventually go the sponsorship route if you wanted to do that um you have you have a an audience that's that's easily defined yeah and you can do like you don't have to just do one a lot of this stuff is going to carry over too. You're just like kind of changing some words. So like you can do five different ones and the content's still like 50% the same. But then now you have a sponsorship business too because now you have like a, a bunch of lawyers who want to learn about AI. That is a great place for a SaaS product to advertise it. So you can go horizontal. And I think Dickie and Nicholas have talked about that strategy for this and they, they, I think they might do that. Yeah, so it's another great idea. Um, you have one in here that I love. And I'm not sure if I haven't come across something like this, um, but I listened to a podcast that is very aligned with this idea, the found, Founders Podcast by David Senra. But uh, basically, just like insights from history's greatest leaders, uh, you know, maybe like a, a short profile or a very uh, uh, consistently formatted, well kind of defined profile of a founder, uh, an athlete, a leader. You know, you can. Sh- pick any of those but just inspiring profiles of of uh, important people i think is a really cool idea as well yeah and so there's a couple of examples like I, my inspiration for this was um the how to take over the world podcast which is kind of like founders but instead of a founder it breaks down an important person in history like napoleon or i don't know um harriet tugman i don't i don't I can't remember people that are on that podcast it's more like historical leaders rather than founders I also like the Acquired podcast, which is more about a company. So it's like they'll break down Costco or they've done some of the people do like Charlie Munger or Warren Buffett, but like a deep dive into a company. I You could do a deep dive style newsletter. An example of this in this category would be Just Go Grind, um, where Justin, he breaks down like a founder story, like the founder behind Spanx or Lululemon, he breaks down their story. I'm kind of not of a fan. I'm not a fan of, of long form deep dives as a newsletter, although they can crush it. What I would do is more like a short little snippet and then automate this. I would tell, let's say we want to do um, the angle of ambi- learn from ambitious people of history. You can use like, these are, I love this term that um, 
the how the take over the world guy used in this podcast. He said, like, these lessons are required learning for any ambitious person. I thought that was a great tagline. But basically, you could have like one newsletter, let's say it's on Warren Buffett. And then you just like give like, what's like the best Warren Buffett quote? And like, that's the newsletter. And then you just elaborate on that a little bit. And then like, it takes like two minutes to read. And then the next day is like, um, Genghis Khan, the best Genghis Khan quote, a little bit about him. That's it. And it's like a, a two to five minute read max. And then you don't like publish these every week as a broadcast newsletter. You set them up as an automation and maybe you deliver one every weekday or maybe one for week. I don't know what it is, but you just do it that way. Um, and like, this is like Wikipedia content. Like it's not super hard to create. There definitely is skill to it for sure, but you're just taking the best of what other people have already created. Like you're just taking the best quotes, the best insights from other books or sources, and you're putting them into a really concise newsletter that inspires people every day when they read it. That's how I would do this. I wouldn't do the 20 minute deep dive because that is too hard for me. I'm not that smart. So I would do, I would do this simple curator way. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you, and I like that approach. I think you could you could almost approach it as a, uh, you know, like Sahil Bloom, like the Curiosity Chronicle. He's got it organized as like one quote, one framework. Like you could do something similar uh, for each of the for each of these individuals, where it's to your point, one quote. You could have like one book, like the best book that's written about this person. Uh, one video, like the the best video, the best YouTube video about them, or the best interview from them. Um, so really just formatting it where it's very easy for you to, uh, to your point, curate, um, but then consistently put out so you know exactly what you're looking for. You don't have to write a big deep dive uh, every time. I just like that format in general of keeping things really organized. And I think readers, I know myself personally, when I'm re- when uh, for newsletters that I read, I really like when it's a, a predictable format that's uh, short snippets, easy to read. A lot of the testing that we've done across newsletters and all sorts of verticals would say the same thing where it's folks like digestible content, easy to read more than they like the deep dive content. So um, yeah, it's easier on you to write. It's easier for them to to read. So why not go that route? I'm glad you used that example because that's a great one for this. And that's like a perfect way to do this. James Clear also has um, something like that. I think is like three, his is three, two, one. And I forget the order that it is. Tim Ferriss has five bullet Friday. So you should definitely have some type of consistent format like that for this. Um, and I love that you're linking to the like the best book on this, the best YouTube video. So if they want to go deeper, they can do that too. That will also increase, increase your click-through rate. And then also this doesn't have to be like ambitious people in history or ambitious leaders. Like that's kind of a broad topic, which could work great. You could also just do like the greatest investors. And it's like, there's a hundred great investors you could break down into this for. You could do the greatest athletes. So you could like any, think any category that you can curate content in. And ideally it's about a person because people want to learn from people, right? Um, but there's so many different categories. It's not just ambitious people in history. It's it's politicians. It's like, it's so much more than that. Um, and this could work great as an automated newsletter too. The 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 place where this struggles is, is monetization. That's where this idea kind of sucks. Um, let me know what you think. Is any ideas that you would think for monetization on this? The only, the only, uh, the only kind of idea that I would have for uh, making it easier to monetize is very much aligned with the other ideas that we've presented, which is, which is just niching down. So like you could do this with like marketing leaders or you could do this with, um, I don't know, like, yeah, to your point, like investors, like have it, have it be more prosumery, right? Like for, for folks that want to learn more about their field or their profession. Yeah. You could take this a thousand different ways. Uh, and, and I like the idea of niching down for that reason. Uh, it's easier to monetize. And then also it's just like, 
gives you uh, an easier playbook to to follow on a weekly basis. You're not like, oh, well, you know, last week I covered Napoleon, this week I'm covering LeBron James. It's like, no, it's like I, I have a list of marketing executives that I'm working through. Um, so yeah, and, and also the plus to something like that is you can find interviews, content, that kind of stuff probably more easily as well. Yeah, I think sponsors work. You can start with sponsors in an automated newsletter. You can just like, you buy um, a month of ads instead of just one issue where you buy two weeks of ads and the ad runs for for two weeks in my um, email sequence. So like, don't, that's still an option. Um, I think it's harder because, because it's curated content. It's harder to get people to buy a information product from you because you're not creating original stuff. You're just curating the best of other stuff. So that's the challenge with it, but there's definitely opportunities to monetize it. It's just going to be a little bit more, like it's easier to grow and easier to write than the other ones we talked about, but it's a little bit trickier to monetize. But I think it could still do well. And I think um, lots of ways to grow this. Even if you're going to use paid ads, I think your CPA would be very low for this because it's, it's the ads kind of create themselves. You know what I mean? And like people are very interested in this type of like broad self-development type of type of stuff. I think you can get subscribers for less than a dollar, less than 80 cents per subscriber for, for a newsletter like this. And then you can offset that cost of Sparkloop or, or Beehive or, or something else. Yeah, and compile uh, kind of the best of all of the content into a front-end offer, right? Like uh, take all of it and just bundle it. And, and uh, for folks that want kind of a lot more of the content up front, uh, have like the best of you know, your, your newsletter or the best of, uh, content that you've developed so far and just bundle it as like a, like a $20 front end offer or something like that. Um, and that, that's a great way to offset costs of acquisition as well. Yeah. And that would be easier to do with, with the niches, like you mentioned, like just do marketers, just do investors, just do even athletes, um, people, other athletes will pay for that. When you're doing the history one, like I did, that's tough. What you could do is like, you could start with a super broad one, just like the most famous people in history. And then you can use that to grow your niche ones. So like the acquisition cost for that one would be super low because it's so broad. And then you can kind of go horizontally into a market or kind of sideways. Like you grow that that way um, where you cross recommend your other ones too. And like this content, like you could have people in the Philippines and India write all this content for you and you just edit it. Like you can get 50 newsletters um, for a thousand bucks or less or something. I don't even know what the cost is, but it wouldn't be too high. Yeah, it's a really cool idea to have it be like, one unified brand with all of these different branches, right? So you have the more general, like one that you, you know, get the cheapest acquisition through. And then you're within that newsletter or using like a tool like Sparkloop or, 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 uh, or Boost or, or whatever, direct folks that are signing up, hey, like, are you interested in receiving our uh, one on athletes or marketers? It's like, there's definitely a playbook for this. Um, so you could have one big unified brand that just does these kinds of profiles and they're all in the same format but they're just different niches. Yeah. Cool monetization opportunity in that too, right? Yeah. You could package one of the newsletters as, as, a, uh, as like a sponsorship opportunity or all of them, or, or you know, there's a thousand different ways to do it. Yeah. And if you're someone who wants, wants to grow like your personal brand and personal brand, and you have no experience at all. This could be a good way to do it because imagine the threads. You're like, I studied histories. Yeah. Tough. This 10, is 10,000 people. Here's one. This, this is a thread boy's dream. This is this is like the the perfect content flywheel for for your Twitter thread boy. Yeah, and the cool thing is like we're being cynical a little bit, but like as you do this for a couple months, you can start to connect the dots, and maybe you can create some original content based off of those insights, and so it could lead to more over time. Yeah, I mean the example that I gave at the start of founders, uh, David Senra, 
like this is like what he's doing for a podcast is he's just reading books about um, really uh, interesting you know people that have had a huge impact on the world and reviewing the books and, t- and providing the lessons that he took away from it and uh, over time he's just built like this crazy network uh, in his own mind and in, in his writings and in his recordings of uh, oh this this lesson from this leader ties to this lesson from this leader totally different fields totally different verticals but they're thinking in the same way um, so yeah the, the sum is greater than uh, the parts for sure. Yeah. And maybe that's your paid product too. Like maybe those connections, that's an ebook or a course you sell as a paid product for 150 bucks or something. Um, that would make more sense because like it's, it saves the person time. Like you don't have to make all the connections. I did it for you. Consume this course in an hour and, and you'll get all the learnings from it. Um, so that's smart. Also like side note, I don't, I understand why this takes time, but like, I don't know why David center the founders podcast how the take over the world podcast acquired podcast. I don't know why they don't have a newsletter that just does this um, for the stuff they already covered. So like make an edit of the transcript, put it into an automated sequence, people subscribe and they get delivered the content over a couple months. That, that would be a great way for them to grow their email audience. Um, but they don't, they don't do it that I know of. Is acquired the same as they got acquired? Cause there is a, they got acquired newsletter. That's like, no, it's very, different. Okay. Okay. Acquired is just about it's it's like founders, but it's a deep dive on a company instead of a, a founder. Got it. Okay. Yeah. In that case, um, yeah, it's a huge opportunity. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll talk to them about doing that. Yeah. There you go. Because I've talked to some people who like have a big podcast audience, and they like they really regret not growing the email audience. Yeah. Little. Uh, I mean, obviously, for reasons that we've gone over. Uh, many times on the podcast, building that e- email list is uh, is hugely advantageous in the long term. Well, yeah, so I think that's that's a great idea for somebody who wants to take it and run with it. We've had uh, a handful of them that we've covered so far. I think the last one, and this one I think maybe we'll go more in depth on uh, in a future podcast, is something that we've talked about a little bit, um, especially in uh, the interview that we had with Ryan Snedden, who's the founder and uh, the founder of the Naptown Scoop. Uh, but it's local newsletters. And uh, we've seen, especially over the last week or so, um, there's been a kind of a, a big, I don't want to say explosion, but an increase in interest uh, on Twitter, uh, at least in like the newsletter sphere on Twitter, uh, in local newsletters. And a lot of folks are kind of getting wise to how, um, just what a great uh, business model it can be. And so, yeah, Matt, let's, let's talk about local newsletters. Like, I guess your take at a high level, uh, folks who've seen do it well, um, advantages to, to building something like that. Yeah. Let's do like a 10 minute breakdown on how these work. Um, and I might have to mute if, if my dog is barking too much. It's all, it's all good. I, I yeah. We'll just like st- do like content growth monetization. Maybe start with content. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so content, I remember when we talked to, uh, Ryan Snedden, um, high level, like, uh, he, he mentioned that the big, the most, the, the content that drives the highest engagement is events. Um, so an events newsletter, a pure events newsletter for, for a city or for, a, I would say like a city, probably not a state, a city, uh, is a great, uh, play for someone just starting out. He mentioned that like concerts, uh, like music events in, in Annapolis where, uh, the Naptown scoop is, is writing for. Uh, that was the section that gets the most feedback, the most clicks, 
uh, people love that. Um, so that's that's great early play for content. Also, just like local news, obviously, like think of it as like a local newspaper, right? Um, what does a local newspaper cover and how can you cut the fat and get people what they really, really want um, in like a, a really quick, digestible, well-formatted newsletter? I think we're seeing kind of across the board, uh, traditional media publications are experiencing, you know, like this this shift to digital publications and independent creators. I don't think that local newsletters are ex- or local newspapers, I should say, are excluded from that shift. Uh, so you you do have an opportunity uh, as a newsletter writer, as news, as a newsletter operator, to potentially grow into being a huge source of news for your for your city or, or your county. Um, so it's a cool, and, uh, cool opportunity. To double click on that, specifically news that's not about crime, and kind of be in the alternative to local news. Like you turn on your local yeah. news on TV, it's like who died, all this stuff. You know, it's it's like. Um, I forget the, the like the famous term that people say about local news, but like you know it is. So you want to like focus on positive news happening in your town, in your city. You really want to focus on the angle I've seen work best is like things, basically things to do this weekend. So usually these local newsletters are sending their newsletter on like Thursday morning, and they're covering events that are happening in the city um, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that weekend. And so it's like I open this newsletter every week to learn about what I'm going to do this weekend. There's one in Greensboro that I subscribe to. That's great. Um, you know, Ryan in, in Annapolis does the same type of stuff. There's other examples of this working well. So like that's the content angle that works well. And it's very curated, but it's high value curation. It's like you can't just go and look at the event right for that city and just copy and paste it. You really kind of want to be on the ground and like learning about the events that are like in the, on like written on the chalkboard at the cafe or the bar, or like stuff that's like not online. Those are the events. Like if you can talk about those events that are happening, that is really valuable information. You can do this with AI and, and curation at like at a large scale, but um, if you if you, if you were kind of like a connoisseur of your town and you know what's going on, um, outside of what the internet says, I think that can be a great, really valuable source of content for people that they'll open every week. Yeah, and I I know for a fact just from folks that I've spoken to and and like data that I've seen that uh that approach of five things going on this weekend uh at least in terms of like ad creative and acquisition works really really well like uh if you get a facebook ad in front of people or an instagram reel in front of people that says like five things going on in your town this weekend uh we'll let's like subscribe to our newsletter to find out it's going to drive a super low cost per uh subscriber yeah so let's talk about griff one one idea before that is like there's one i know of that does this in canada it's crushing and he's showing me his stats he's like 60 percent of rent every week 30 percent click through rate and it's, it's not about local events. It's just all about food, food happening in that city, like new restaurants opening up, like new dishes at certain restaurants, what to try. So it's just all about local food in that town. Um, That's cool. And that crushes too. I think basically live events, live music, food in some local news, like those are the types of topics people care about. Um, and it just helps people live, a, like utilize the city they live in better, essentially be happier. Yeah. And uh, yeah, definitely want to talk about growth. One, I just remember one cool, um, before I forget, one cool benefit of, of writing something like this. And I know something that Ryan Stedden talked a lot about in our interview is just like he gets like local access because he's like a, he's a local journalist. You know what I mean? He gets access to events. He gets invited to like Annapolis City gatherings or I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what events they are. But he was saying that he gets invited to these cool uh, events as media. Um, and it's something that you don't necessarily equate with writing a newsletter. 
But when you're writing it for your town or for your city, the opportunity for something like that is definitely there. Um, you know, you <laughs> he he positioned it as he feels like a local celebrity. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure like if you're writing for a, a, a not insignificant uh, portion of the city that you live in, uh, you're going to run into people all the time that are reading what you're writing. So it, it is a really cool uh, benefit of that. Ryan is like, I think Annapolis is like 100,000 people and he has like 25 to 30,000 subscribers, roughly. I don't know the exact number. So it's like a quarter of the town reading that. And like, so, so many people know of him, especially the ones who are out trying restaurants and like going to events, like they know of his newsletter. And so lots of side benefits to it, like free food, access, all that stuff. Um, yeah. On the growth side, it's this is what makes this great is like the growth is really simple and relatively easy. Like Facebook ads crush it. Um, you can send people to a landing page or you can do a Facebook lead form. The subscriber acquisition cost for these is really low, less than a dollar per subscriber. You can do less than 50 cents per subscriber for some of these. That said, you're not going to be spending 10, 20 grand a month to get subscribers for your local newsletter, especially if the city's small, right? You're going to be spending like 100 bucks a day maybe 200 bucks a day max. Um, and so there's a limited amount of scale you can do in one city. I've done some ads for some of these local newsletters and like we're able to easily get less than 50 cent um, subscribers if you have good creative, right? Um, and the good creative is, is kind of just like showcasing your content. Like mm -hmm. here's five things to do this week, subscribe to get access to it. Here's five new restaurants opening, subscribe to get access to it. Like it's not super complicated ad creative, super sophisticated stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a template for it, right? Like, um, yeah, it's to your point, like, I mean, I think the, uh, that point that you made about the budget and like, yeah, you can't, I mean, I think that's, that's one of the things that makes it great for like somebody who's starting a newsletter from scratch and maybe doesn't have the budget is like, you can start with like, if you want to put like $200 into a Facebook ads account and test it and start to, and see what you can achieve. I mean, if you're, if you're getting like 50 cent leads, um, you know, you've got your first 400 subscribers. So that's, it's a, it's not a bad place to start. And you know that they're all based in another great thing about like, uh, uh, paid ads, uh, for, for this particular types of, of acquisition, you can just limit the targeting to, uh, to that city and, and have confidence that you're, you're reaching the right people. So yeah, very cool opportunity for someone. Um, and yeah, it's blow. It's I've just seen it on Twitter a lot. I know it's not a, a new concept by any means, but recently a lot of people are talking about it. And I think a lot of people are kind of catching on to, um, you know, there's a ton of benefits. It's fairly straightforward model um, and monetization too. I mean, we talked to Ryan a little bit about this and I've talked to other folks who are working on similar stuff. It's like, it's kind of a no brainer for a local business to advertise in um, a local service business, for example, to advertise in a newsletter that they know is reaching a third of the city or a quarter of the city, right? So uh, you can you can source, especially if you have like a sales team or a sales VA, even just do conducting outreach to local businesses in that city and saying, "Hey, we have this many readers, this many subscribers, or sorry, this many subscribers, this many people are reading every uh, uh, every week or every day or whatever your cadence is." Like, would love to get you out in front of all of these folks that are in our city. Pretty straightforward approach to monetization through uh, through sponsorships, which isn't always the easiest route to go for other uh, verticals. Yeah, and what's there's challenges to local tip is you're limited in, in what you can charge for an ad in your audience, but it's very normal for local media to sign like um, quarterly or yearly contracts for sponsorships. So you're not selling these one-off sponsorships where like three packs, like you do with a prosumer 
worldwide newsletter, you can get advertisers to sign up for a year and then they get like one ad per month for a year and they're buying a whole contract like that. So that's much more normal. You can also see like where other people are advertising locally. Ryan and other people have talked about the advertisers that work best are people that have a high LTV. So like a, um, a lawyer or a local accountant or someone who's a real estate broker, if they get like one transaction um, in real estate, they're going to make back their investment. So like restaurants, low LTV, they're not going to be good advertisers, but other local services that have high LTV, they'll be good advertisers in a local newsletter. Um, so I, I think it's it's not easy because you kind of have to like have feet on the ground. You, sometimes you got to go meet people in person, but it is is relatively simple. I think one thing we should note is I know we're at time here, but like you got to set the expectations too. If you have a, a town of let's say 100,000 to 500,000 people, I think it's going to be hard to build a seven-figure business based off of one city. I think you can get to six figures in one city fairly quickly, like within 12 months. But I think if you want to get to a seven-figure local newsletter business, you have to expand to different different cities. That could be around your geography or just around the country. But I think that's important to note too. Yeah, it could, it could be a great lifestyle business for somebody. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think like, and I mean, once you figure out the template that works in your city, it's like, why not scale it? So, um, yeah, great, uh, a great opportunity for someone starting out just like to get their, uh, get their hands dirty in newsletters. Um, and yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about this in more depth, uh, in future episodes as well, especially with all the attention that it's getting. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a deep dive on it. That'll be fun. Um, but yeah, this is a good place to wrap it. Anything else? No. No, not uh, not this round, but I think we got some good ideas out there. If you if anybody's listening uh, starts executing on these ideas, let us know how it goes. Like we'd love to keep the rest of the audience updated. Yeah, so make sure make sure you share on Twitter via DMs or, or however you want to do it. Yeah, our Twitters are linked below. I think LinkedIn is too. Check out Ryan's agency. Check out my agency, and we will see you next time. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, and we'll talk to you soon.